Manna, divine, emotional, coherence. This is Keoni Hanalei, founder of Pohala Hawaiian Botanicals, coming in from Kohava'i Paiaina, Maui Nui Namia Apo. This is a continuation of our journey of Pua Ehu Ehu Fern Medicine, where I detail the emotional qualities that are held in custodianship of native Hawaiian ferns. Today, is all about mana fern, the fern of emotional coherence. What is coherence as an emotion? Like, yeah, let's talk about that, brah. If you are new to this podcast, or if you would like a refresher on what is this dude talking about? Emotions, ferns, what? then I would suggest you visit the second episode of this podcast titled Pua Ehu Ehu, and this will give you a breakdown of exactly what I'm talking about. What is fern medicine? What is Pua Ehu Ehu all about? And then maybe jump back to this episode and join me as we explore mana fern emotional coherence. I first want to address that the word mana for the Hawaiian people, it's a very notable and a very cherished word and energy. In our language, mana can be best translated as creative life force. Now, of course, we have the fern mana, Haploteris elongata, which represents and holds the codes of emotional coherence. And I truly feel like there's a correlation between creative life force and coherence. And perhaps as we explore what emotional coherence is, we're really going to find the overlap between manna, creative life force, and emotional coherence. If you are familiar with this podcast, then you know the protocol, you know the drill. We begin with an examination of the physical avatar, of the physiology of the fern, because something really beautiful, unique, and even super sophisticated about Pua Ehu Ehu is that the physical body of the fern correlates beautifully to its emotional quality. Now, mana is scientifically known as haploteris elongata. You know, that uh, second part of its name, elongata, um, already kind of reveals that it has a really beautiful, long, slender shape. In fact, the nickname is tape fern. I would even say that it's more accurately uh, could be nicknamed tongue fern. It looks like a long, slender tongue. Uh, It has short to moderately long, creeping, slender fronds. Its sori or its spore design 
is these straight lines on either side of the blade completely symmetrical to one another. Just remember that too about the symmetry of its sori or its spore design because that's going to be a huge correlation to the emotional quality of coherence. Uh, mana really loves to grow in dense forests either in complete canopy or a subcanopy. It's indigenous to Hawaii, which means it also grows elsewhere, and it's prolifically found in Australia as well. Mana is an epiphyte. An epiphyte is a kind of plant where it doesn't necessarily require soil. It can grow off of the ecosystem of other plants. For instance, mana is commonly found growing off of trees, logs, even boulders. It really loves to collaborate and to organize with other species. So there's another key right there. Its physical body, its avatar, really honors organization. Okay, let's get in this. Let's break this down. What is coherence as an emotion? First, I need to preface what an emotion is. An emotion is voltage. Remember, we human beings, we are having an electrical experience. The human event is incredibly electrical and our emotions are the stimulant and the stimulus of this electrical experience. The emotions behave as voltages. So of course, coherence is an emotion because coherence has a voltage. So what is coherence as an emotion? What's the voltage of coherence? I also love to examine these emotional qualities by it's super practical uh, ways that shows up in our life, but also, you know, the really complex ways that we navigate, we explore, we experience coherence as an electrical experience, as a voltage. I feel like the best way to proceed, and this would even be in favor of emotional coherence. You're going to get this a little later, but I feel like the best way is for me to break this down in three categories. Let's break this down in three categories. Coherence as an emotional voltage, emotional quality in three. One is wholeness. Let's have a little conversation about wholeness. Two, organization. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> organization. Coherence loves organization. So let's also talk about organization. And then the third part that I really want to touch on in order to honor the complexity and the practicality of coherence is symmetry. Symmetry, remember about its sorry, its spore designs on the blade of mana. They're completely symmetrical to one another. So even the physical body, the avatar, tells us a story of its devotion to symmetry. Okay, so we're going to break it down in three. One, wholeness. We're going to have a conversation about wholeness. Two, we're going to have a conversation about organization. And then third, we're going to have a conversation about symmetry. And this will reveal the practicality and the complexity of coherence as an emotion. Let's begin 
by acknowledging what the literary translation of coherence is. The literary translation of coherence is to form a unified whole. Okay? To form a unified whole. So when I receive that, when I feel that, I'm like, yeah, that feels accurate. However, it can be revised because I don't feel like wholeness, right? That whole to form a unified whole. I don't feel wholeness is something that needs to be formed. It's not a consequence. Wholeness is not an objective. I remember wholeness to have already been determined. It's that to which has established consciousness itself. And so the revision of the translation of coherence may be best explained, described, shared as to acknowledge a unified whole. And this is why we begin with wholeness. We are acknowledging the establishment and the birthright of our wholeness. The reason being is because wholeness itself behaves as a convergence. Each and every one of us also gets to behave as a point of convergence because there's a lot of data. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of knowledge that's swirling all around us. And so quickly that can be very fragmenting. It can feel very shattering. It's very volatile until each and every one of us behaves in our wholeness and becomes a convergence for all of this data and information to land. It must have a home in order to land in. I feel like this is such an important conversation because I feel like so many people spend their entire lives trying to accumulate, trying to build wholeness and to no end. And for me, it's not just about acknowledging my inherent wholeness. It's also about refining it. It's just a matter of refining the wholeness to which I already am. But this all must begin as a point of convergence. We have to be a point of convergence for all the data and information to come into a central place. You know, this is also the conversation about homeostasis and the importance of homeostasis. Homeostasis itself is a point of convergence. It doesn't reject data or knowledge. It behaves as a point of convergence. And this conversation about convergence is so important when we go into the second part of coherence, which is that organization. Remember, that's the second part I want to talk about is organization. Because once we behave as a point of convergence, we then get to organize the information and the data that is now landing within us. As it lands, it's not just stagnant or complacent. 
it's still active. That's one of the great things about this consciousness and this reality that we're all enjoying is that it's always moving. It must move, right? The vibration must move, especially when we correlate this to a phenomenal animate world. Form exists because vibration holds a kind of pattern. And so as we behave as this convergence, this knowledge and information and data, it remains static and it's asking for organization. So let's talk about organization. Like straight up, if you don't know how to organize or if you're uninterested in organization, everything is going to seem volatile to you. And that is a very disrupting place to be, especially when feel into this, the world to which we're enjoying and the reality and the consciousness to which we're enjoying, it is based in patterns. And so patterns are like the greatest sophisticated example, right, (laughs) of organization and the consistency of that organization. And so if you do not have an interest or if you are not skilled in organization, everything is going to feel very volatile to you, which is going to disrupt, right, your affluence. Affluence means to be in flow. You're not going to have that sense of affluence because the volatility is going to feel so shattering and then also so paralyzing. And I see this very often with a lot of people, especially because, you know, no one's immune to the data and the information. Every single one of us is locatable to data and information, which means it does penetrate us. It does flow through us. We are immediate and automatic conduits of information and data. And so our skill and sense of organization is really, really important so that we are not paralyzed by the potential volatility of information and data. Organization, just as I was sharing, one of the beautiful, most beautiful things I love about organization is that it does design patterns. It does this because in the skill of organization, we come into what is known as discernment. Discernment. Discernment can mean that we know how to distinguish between what is essential and non-essential. We collaborate, we build upon, we refine that which is essential and that which is non-essential. We don't allow it to distract us. The actual translation of pattern is discernible sequence. Yes, a pattern is a discernible sequence. It's to make intelligible. You know, the disorganized, disorganization is very disempowering. My kupuna have a saying, my elders have a saying, and I have learned and I have remembered that this is so critical in my own life, but you must meet power with power. Otherwise you will be overpowered. And all the consequences, right, of being overpowered. And especially when we speak into the quality of coherence, it's to become 
paralyzed. It's to become shattered by information, by data. Rather, meet all data with equal measure of power, and thus it will not overpower you. The best way to meet data in equal measure of power is to organize it. It is within the organization, the discernible sequence, that you will discern between the essential and the non-essential. This is when we come into the realization that all data and information, it's actually resources. They're resources. They don't need to be paralyzing. It doesn't need to be paralyzing. As long as you acknowledge and you access your inherent right to organize it. Once I harness and access my own skill of organization, I come into the recognition that my patterns are reliable. Okay, this is really important because we live in a world of contrast. Contrast means differences. We must learn, remember how to engage and interact with a world of contrast without feeling so incredibly threatened by that contrast. That's why we live in hierarchy. That's why as of now, right, we live in competition culture where we need to extinguish differences in order to feel safe. That's the story for so many of us. We don't feel safe unless Everything can adapt to our level of comfort, our preference, meaning there's no room for differences. But I mean, come on, brah. That's part of living in a world of contrast. There will always be differences. And so we get to remember how to engage and interact with a world of differences. If you can harness and access your skill of organization, you will become reliable amongst yourself. And thus you can carry yourself in a world of differences without it feeling so threatening. Thus we come into the conversation of symmetry. Symmetry. The definition of symmetry is correspondence between different things. Yes, correspondence between different things things. This is the third part of coherence that I would love to cover. Let's go into symmetry. I just love this definition of symmetry, right? Correspondence between different things already like that word correspondence. It's like approachable. It's friendly. Nowhere is the same alteration between different things. We're not asking things to alter itself in any way. It's an invitation for the availability for correspondence. Another way to translate correspondence is negotiation. And especially if we're meeting everything in equal measure of power, let's negotiate with things. This is how we can interact and engage with the world of contrast and differences is we can negotiate, you know, that convergence that we came into, right? That wholeness, 
We allowed everything to converge. And within that convergence, which is asymmetrical, right? It begins as asymmetrical or the volatility of all information and data. We allow ourselves to converge the asymmetrical so we can apply a kind of structure to it, a kind of pattern to it. We organize it. I organize it by way of discerning between the essential and the non-essential. I select that which is essential, and that is what I produce as a result. That is what I produce as a belief. Sometimes we can even say that's what I produce as an identity. And because that becomes reliable, that becomes a pattern. Now I can present that to the exterior conditions and negotiate with that so that there's a correspondence. We know how to interact and engage with one another. I bear witness and I have participated. I have contributed to a collective that is incredibly disorganized. It is this disorganization that has opened up the culture of subordination. Because if you are completely disorganized, you're going to require something or someone else to lead you. And thus we open up this subordination culture. I feel patriarchy harnesses a lot of its power because of this, because of subordination and subordination is a result and a consequence of disorganization. And I just feel manna fern coherence is encouraging us and supporting us in coming into an organization of our life. Allow yourself to be a convergence of all information and data so that it has a place to land from that wholeness where it lands. Then organize it. Select, discern between the essential and the non-essential and commit to that. From the commitment of the essential, you're going to come into patterns. These patterns will allow you to relax into the reliability that you will become. Once you deem yourself reliable, you're not going to need to rely on others. You're not going to need to be subordinate because you're not going to require other people's patterns within your own patterns. Thus, you can offer that as a contribution and a selection. There is more than enough room for all of our patterns to coexist, to cohabitate. If I could just create a concise story based upon everything I've shared by way of Manafern, emotional coherence, the voltage of coherence, it's check this out, you guys. All your dreams and your fantasies, all my dreams and my fantasies deserve to see the light of day. I deserve to experience my dreams and my fantasies. I believe you deserve to experience your dreams and your fantasies, but they must have a place to land in. The convergence, allow the information and the data to converge within you from the convergence, which is your wholeness. Then you can begin to organize the otherwise volatility into symmetry, 
In the organization, we can discern between the essential and non-essential, thus removing from overwhelm or embellishment. Because embellishment is also a detriment, right? Embellishment can lead to dissociative fantasy, where you become overwhelmed by the impractical. And so practicality is no longer as interesting, nor is it stimulating for many people who eject into dissociative fantasies. Those dreams and those fantasies allow them to land, make them livable, the convergence, and then organize it. Thus, you honor a reliable pattern to which things can take form and its symmetry allows it to become transferable and relatable. Once your fantasies, brah, your dreams are also transferable and relatable, they now become a contribution. I share and I translate those of us who are living and experiencing our dreams and our fantasies as also a contribution because living our dreams and our fantasies for me, that's called attunement. I'm experiencing my own attunement. You know, the life I enjoy today, just a couple years ago, I would have thought, and I categorize as a unrealistic fantasy, but rather than subordinate myself to that idea, I allowed myself to become a convergence. And that convergence was also identifying, acknowledging myself as whole and deeming myself worthy to be that convergence. In that convergence, I then remembered how to organize all that data and information And I organized this data and information by discerning between the essential and the non-essential. In my locating of that which is essential, I applied a kind of loyalty and discipline to that. And then I was no longer so seduced, so captivated by the non-essential that I was consistently overwhelmed. No, I relaxed into that which is essential, that which allowed for the refinement of my dreams and my fantasies to become livable. This for me is attunement. And the badass thing about attunement is attunement is what allows for presence. That's why this is a contribution, not just for the self, but for an entire collective. Because the more and more of us who select presence, the more we relax into affluence. Affluence means to be in flow. And so notice where we began. We began as a convergence where all data, all information is allowed. There's a convergence that is happening. It's not about discrimination. It's about discernment. You don't need to be overpowered by all the data and information if you know how to organize it. And we organize it by discerning between the essential and the non-essential, applying a loyalty, a devotion, and a discipline to the essential coming into a kind of symmetry where we're not so threatened by contrast and differences. We come into the livable experience of our dreams and our fantasies, which allows us to experience attunement. Attunement allows us to be present. The more and more of us who are present, the more this collective will relax 
into affluence. And I really feel like this is, you know, the great message of manna and of coherence, emotional coherence, is that we get to organize all this data and come into affluence. Remember, it's not about rejecting information. It's not about discriminating. It's about discerning the information. And so organize. I invite you to begin to organize your life based on what you deem to be essential and non-essential. Apply a loyalty and a devotion to that which is essential, that to which honors your dreams and your fantasies. Create a pattern of your dreams and your fantasies so you can relax into it. Your dreams and your fantasies become reliable to the point where you experience a result and thus you become attuned. I want to thank the audience. Thank you so much for uh, being on this journey with me of Pua Ehu Ehu. And I especially want to mahalo uh, Mana Fern and this voltage and this electrical experience of coherence. May we all be blessed in the influence of divine emotional coherence. Eo Mana. Thank you and I love you. That which is a natural Now I rise Exposed and brilliant Finally And to penetrate An illusion Finally, finally